Welcome to the Big Leads Best of Seven podcast. I am your host for this week's episode, Ryan Phillips. With me today is my colleague, Liam McCune, who's, you know, been on a number of these uh, throughout the season, doing uh, doing a lot of NFL picks with, uh, with Kyle Coster. Today, we've got an interesting topic. It's more of a throwback Best of Seven episode. We're going to debate projecting the best NFL quarterbacks out a few years in 2025. You know, this year was dominated by Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. Uh, They're sort of battling to see who's going to be the MVP. Uh, Looks like Rodgers is probably going to get it. But once those guys are gone in a couple of years, what does the quarterback landscape look like? Uh, and, and I think it's going to change pretty significantly. And, and, and I wrote a post about this a couple of days ago and put my list together. And I wanted to bring Liam on to tell me exactly where I was wrong. Uh, so Liam, right now, it seems like Brady and Rogers have been at the top of the NFL for a decade and eventually they have to retire at some point. Right. So what's going to happen next? It is weird to think about because they literally have been on top for a decade since 2011. They have been more or less, they have been two of the three names mentioned every single year. And then after Peyton Manning fell off, it was really them and everybody else. So it's weird to just even consider a universe in which Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers are not considered among the best quarterbacks in the NFL, but Sports is cyclical, and eventually that new generation rises, and I think everybody already knows that there's a couple of pretty obvious names who are going to be riding on top of that list. But that middle tier of like four to seven and extending it past what we're doing for this list, four to ten, cycles pretty regularly. That's a little bit more inconsistent as far as, you know, guys have a good season, they'll shoot up, and then they'll have a bad season, they'll fall down. And I think there's a lot of really great talent at the quarterback position, but I do think that it's not – you know, generational by any means. I think that it's pretty much going to end up being the same case where it's a grouping of top two or three guys every year, followed by five to seven names that kind of go in and out of those rankings based on how their year went, based on injuries, based on their skill positions, stuff like that. But it's definitely an interesting conversation. I'm excited to have it and looking forward. It uh, is always a fun adventure for us. (laughs) So we're going to count down the top seven, starting from seven. Um, Liam, let's just dive in, man. I, who do you have at number seven? Who do you think will rank number seven in 2025 among the best NFL quarterbacks? All right, so for number seven, I am uh, recouping some of my pain from this past weekend, and I am going to make the argument, because I do not think it's a sure thing by any means, but I'm going to make the argument that the seventh best quarterback in three years will be none other than Mac Jones. Patriots homer. <laughs> Patriots homer. I admit it. I embrace it. But my argument is not based on Bill Belichick's going to figure it out. Mac Jones' biggest strengths as a quarterback, your accuracy and decision-making, which were on display in his rookie season at a league average to perhaps slightly above league average, depending on the week, level, which is really great for a rookie, and he's going to get better. I don't know if he has – actually, I would probably argue that he really does not have the ceiling of everybody else we're going to be talking about on this list – That's just who he is, and that's why he's number seven and not number one. But I think his floor is higher than almost anybody else that we'll talk about here. I see Mac Jones as Jimmy G without the back-breaking turnovers and without the injury problems. And when you put that together and you put him on a good team, which he will have as long as Bill Belichick is coaching the Patriots, he might not always have a great team, but he'll always have a good team. If you take Jimmy G, take away the turnovers and take away the injuries, 
that's a good quarterback. And I think that statistically, I think there will be some years where Mac kind of falls by the wayside. But I think that when we're talking about ranking the top quarterbacks, how often their team wins will come into play. It won't be as important in these kind of arguments as their statistics or their sheer talent. But I think if we're looking three years ahead, Mac could be a pretty consistent, like 3,500 yard, 27 to 34 touchdown guy. And I think that's definitely good enough to be number seven. I think so. Mac Jones didn't make my list. And the reason why is I think it's going to be heavily dependent on what the Patriots put around him. And over the last five, six years, they have refused to invest in the receiver position and, and have refused to go after talent that will help him rise. And, and you can say that, you know, a great quarterback elevates those around him. That's true. But where did Tom Brady go when he was a free agent? He went to the place with the best receiving core or close to it. Uh, and, and so I think that that is a symbiotic relationship. Your receivers make you better and you make your receivers better. And, and I think that the Patriots need to make some moves to get Mac Jones talent around him. And so I, I left him off because I'm not hundred percent convinced that that will happen. Um, I think Bill Belichick loves to invest in the defense. I think he loves to invest in the big guys up front and he loves to draft a running back pretty much every year and, you know, and, and find tight ends. Uh, but he has not prioritized the perimeter. And so that's my worry for Mac Jones. I think he's a solid quarterback and I think that he will certainly be in the top half of the league, but I'm not sure he'll be a top seven guy. Uh, well, uh, the guy I have at number seven was his replacement at Alabama, Bryce Young, uh, who just finished his second collegiate season. I mean, first one is the starter and won the Heisman Trophy. Liam uh, completed 67% of his passes for 4,800 yards, averaged 8.9 yards per attempt through 47 touchdowns against seven interceptions, had a QBR of 87.6, which was second in college football. He'll, he has the inside track to be the, the first pick in what should be a loaded 2023 NFL draft. Everybody's already drooling about him. You've had pundits say he would have been the number one pick in this year's draft. And that's amazing because he's only six feet tall. He's only 194 pounds, but he's got a big arm. He can move in the pocket. He can scramble. And he's very, very accurate. He's been a top recruit since he was like a freshman in high school and played against great competition his entire life in the Trinity League out here in Southern California at modern day. He's just been somebody who's lived up to every expectation along the way. And that's why I think that he'll be 24 in 2025 and in his third year in the league, probably uh, if at all, you know, if he goes out when we expect him to go out, I think he'll already be scratching the surface of the top, the top seven. I think you're insane. Okay. I'm not going to, you're not the first to say that. Liam. I think that's nuts. I see where you're coming from, right? He's a great prospect. And in the, uh, in the post, I believe you compared him to Russell Wilson, which is a comparison that I do like. I certainly like it more than Dan Orlovsky saying he looks like Aaron Rodgers. But he did win the Heisman. Everybody agrees, I think, almost universally that not that it wasn't deserved, but it was a kind of a weak Heisman class this year. Sure. It was and a he won it because he was the quarterback for Alabama, who had a great year, but it's not anything we've never seen before, right? And if we're going with that Russell Wilson comparison, Wilson didn't really hit this level we're talking about until almost the end of his rookie deal. I would even say maybe even 2016 after he was drafted in 2012. And so if we're going on that, then I think he's will be rising certainly by the time 2025 rolls around. I don't know if he will have that top seven resume. Now, if you're going to make the argument to me that in his third season, he blows up and ends up in these rankings, I could see that. 
but I think it's more likely that this guy ends up being good, but it's going to take him a little bit to be great because that's just what it usually is with rookie quarterbacks. And it's hard, even harder for me to buy in when we saw someone kind of similar. I'm not saying they're the same by any means, but kind of similar to a tongue of Iloa. He's completely, he's flaming out right now. And Bryce Young is not going to be to a tongue of Iloa, but it does mean that we need to take these Alabama quarterbacks with a little bit of grain of salt. You mean like Mac Jones? Yeah, I obviously, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. I obviously just argue about Mac Jones, but we've seen what Mac Jones looks like in the pros. And I was making my argument based off that right now, we're just projecting for Bryce. And I think it number projecting him to be a top seven quarterback three years from now is crazy, but we have not seen him step foot on NFL field yet. We'll, we'll have this. We'll, we'll talk in like uh, three years. We'll talk and see what happens. Yeah. Uh, who you got at number six, number six. I like Trevor Lawrence at the number six spot. Oh. Everybody knows what kind of talent he's got. I think that his rookie year was obviously abysmal for numerous reasons, both his own fault and both very much not his fault. I think that a very solid argument can be made that it could not have possibly gone worse outside of a season ending injury. And with that said, if this is as bad as it can get, that was still like pretty good for a rookie, you know, so he made some mind bending throws. And if his receivers were capable of catching a a single football then I think they would, uh, his highlight reel would look a lot more impressive than it currently does. But I just think that Lawrence is too talented to not figure it out over the next three years. He has one season under his belt. Everybody crowned him as the next great thing coming out of the draft. I'm not sure if Jacksonville is going to be able to put that structure around him, like you were mentioning with Mac Jones. I'm not sure if they're going to be able to put the kind of weapons around him he needs to be an undisputed top five, top four quarterback in the NFL. But number six, I mean, that's playing better than most of the guys. That's we're talking, you know, Lawrence has the arm strength to throw for easily like four to 5,000 yards in that range, 30 TDs. And we're talking, that's probably on the lower end for him. I think that the talent combined with the fact that literally it has to get better from here, sets him on a solid trajectory, you know, legitimate questions about how high he can get. But I think, his fourth year in the league as the sixth best quarterback is very reasonable to expect from a guy with this kind of inborn talent. Yeah. I've got him at number six too. Uh, so good job, Liam. Good call. <laughs> uh, you know, what was interesting to me that he went like seven games without throwing a touchdown or something at some point. And with everything that happened with urban Meyer and that was his offense and all of that stuff. I mean, it was just a meltdown around him all year. And, and the fact that he came out in their final game and beat the Colts, who was a pretty darn good football team. Uh, completed 23 of 32 passes for 223 and two touchdowns and won 26-11 in a game that the Jaguars pretty much dominated. That was sort of a ray of sunshine to cap the season. I think that momentum will help him going into next year. If it had just been all bad and it ended on a bad note too, maybe you don't have that spark towards next season. Maybe he doesn't make these rankings that high, but he's a guy who has every tool in his bag. He can move. He can throw at every level. He's accurate. As you said, mind-bending throws this year sometimes. He's got the size to be durable. Uh, This is a guy who's going to put up numbers in the NFL. Whether he's going to be the superstar we all projected, I mean, a lot of draft people had him graded as the highest-ranked prospect they'd ever had as far as grades go. Um, He'll be 26 in 2025. He should be, like, starting his prime at that point. And so I think it's very easy to project him as as a top-six guy. the Jaguars, if they fail him, 
he'll be able to move on and go wherever he wants. I feel like, and, and you know, and, and play out his rookie deal and go somewhere else. I mean, that's a disaster of a franchise, but at the same time, he's going to be able to control who they get and, and what, and, and I think players are going to want to play with him because he'll get them the ball. So I got him at number six too. I think that there's just, he had a terrible, terrible rookie year. It was a nightmare. Just like Zach Wilson, both had nightmare rookie seasons, but I feel like he's a guy who's easily going to rise up above it because he's just too talented not to um so liam we both had trevor lawrence at number six who do you got at number five i think this is where our rankings are going to start differing greatly ryan uh for number five i have one of two mvp winners on this list and it is lamar jackson i think everybody's low on jackson after this year which makes total sense everyone's uh, thoughts and fears about the validity of having that kind of dual threat running quarterback were proven right when he got hurt, when he was unable to make things happen from the pocket uh, in some of their worst losses. But I'm here to argue that this is once again, overblown. I think the injury thing is, you know, as legitimate as it can be for anybody, but I think that Jackson is obviously an insanely talented player. And he, we're looking at, you know, health, health permitting, he's going to be responsible from anywhere from 35 to 4,500 all-purpose yards every single year and a whole lot of touchdowns. The Ravens would have been picking top three this year if it wasn't for Lamar Jackson. You're placing, if we're talking, you know, wins above replacement here, this guy was like four or five wins above the average quarterback who would have started for that Ravens team with all the injuries that they had on their own roster. I do think that Jackson is legit. I think maybe we're nearing his ceiling as a passer. We've been saying for two consecutive years now that he has to get better. And he's made marginal improvements, but I don't know if that big leap will come. If he does, he'll be the best quarterback in the NFL or the second best quarterback in the NFL. But for now, I feel pretty comfortable thinking that when he's 28 in the middle of his physical prime, that he will be the fifth best quarterback in the NFL, capable of hurting a defense any which way. And the Ravens presumably will have better injury luck than they did this year, which means they're getting a little bit some more weapons for him. And really the problem with the breakdown on his body is when the offense is entirely reliant on him to produce, the Ravens have playmakers. They just spent the entire season on the bench hurt. So with some improved health from the rest of the roster, the load gets taken off Jackson a little bit. And I think what we saw in his MVP season is a little bit closer to what the fully realized version of Lamar Jackson is than anything we've seen the last two years. Look, if, if this were coming off as MVP season, I would have told you Lamar Jackson, top, top three, maybe top two. Uh, the problem is I think we're going to see him start run less and less because of the injuries and he's going to get hit and he's been hit his entire career and he's a bigger guy uh, despite being shorter. He's a bigger guy and he can take a hit, but I think he is as, as has happened with a lot of these running quarterbacks over time, they almost slowly transition into pocket passers and Lamar is not a good enough passer to be a top seven quarterback as a passer solely. Um, so I do not agree with that only because I'm projecting that I just don't think he's going to be able to hold up physically because it's hard for any quarterback to hold up physically, let alone one who puts his body on the line by running. Uh, I think he tries to plow guys too much. I don't think he gets out of bounds enough when he's running. Um, if he is still a two-way guy, I agree. He's in the top seven, almost certainly. I just think it's slowly you're going to see him start to transition back into the pocket. My number five is Dak Prescott. Uh, what he did coming off of that ankle injury last year, this season, taking the Cowboys to 12 and five, having arguably the best regular season offense that did not carry over to the playoffs, but the best regular season offense this year uh, completed 68.8% of his passes through for 4,400 yards, 37 touchdowns, only 10 interceptions. 
passer rating was third in the NFL. Um, his QBR was ninth. He's just a guy who continues to just defy expectations. And, and Dak is, in my opinion, one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL now. Uh, and I think that the only reason he's not higher is because I think some guys are going to surpass him, not because of any fault of his own. He's got great receivers around him. He's going to put up numbers for years to come. Uh, Dallas loves to build a receiving core, loves to build an offensive line. I think they're going to protect him. And if he stays healthy, he'll be 32 in 2025. So right in the middle of his prime, I think he's got an MVP in his future at some point. Uh, he plays for the Cowboys. That's going to give him a boost uh, in that voting. But at the same time, I think that uh, he's going to put up great numbers for the rest of his career. And I think that we're looking at a guy who is just so calm and unflappable in the pocket that he can get it done. And uh, yeah, that, that quarterback sneak is really coloring this pick poorly uh, at the, the quarterback sneak at the end of the 49ers game. And the way that that game ended is really coloring this pick poorly. But at the same time, I think that uh, I think Dak's going to be really, really good. Well, let me tell you, Joe Judge loved that QB sneak with 14 seconds left. Um, <laughs> all right, so this is going to be probably maybe my hottest take of the, the podcast here, but I don't have Prescott on this list. And it's not because I think necessarily that, like, Mac Jones is a better quarterback than Prescott, but when you're thinking about top seven, I think that Prescott is talented enough to be in the top seven. But this year, man, there were just some throws that he made and some games that he had that were just absolute stinkers. And some of that can be chalked up, you know, obviously beginning of the season, tiny bit of a slow start. The guy was coming back from a horrific ankle injury. Can't knock him there. He hurt his calf halfway through the year and stumbled a couple of times there. But even after he seemed to recover from the calf injury, there were just some games where you're like, what is this guy doing right now? And I think Prescott has the arm to make every throw and he has what many others on this list do not have, which is an established receiving core with high end playmakers that are going to be together for years to come. But I think Prescott is going to end up hovering in that like 10 to eight range more than squeaking into the top seven, just because I don't know if he can consistently make the kind of throws that the other guys on this list will be able to make at this time. Sometimes he'll just make these decisions. I mean, the Niners game is a good example of just he was playing within the system instead of making quarterbacking choices, and it failed them miserably. They had a terrible, terrible day. And I don't think that's indicative of Prescott the player. That's probably more of a reflection on Kellen Moore and what his he has his guys do in that offense. But I just am not super high on Prescott's ceiling, I think, is what it comes down to. I think we might have come pretty close to where Prescott will finish as a player, and that's still a darn good quarterback who will win games, win the NFC East, maybe even win a couple of playoff games for the Cowboys here, but I don't, and you could probably win a championship with him, but I don't know if he's going to put up the combination of numbers and wins that makes him a guaranteed surefire spot on the top seven. Fair points, Liam. Who you got at number four? Number four, I have everybody's favorite LSU quarterback, Joe Burrow. Love Joe Burrow. He's been the most my favorite quarterback to watch this season, just because he's a blast. I think he's, you know, bringing the attitude to Cincinnati, all that. Swagger. Stuff. Swagger. Jamar, his connection with Jamar Chase will probably be the best in the league for years to come, outpacing even the Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey's of the world there. This guy knows what he's doing out there. He can make throws at all three levels. He's very, very gifted. I just don't know if his ceiling is high enough to be higher than number four. But I think number four is still a damn good spot for this guy. I think that he could even have perhaps an MVP season if things break right for him. He can go off on any given Sunday. 
you know, I love him. I think he's a great quarterback and he'll be right in the middle, like pretty much everybody on this list. He'll be right in the middle of his prime in 2025. I just don't have him higher because I think the guys above him are more physically talented. That's really what it comes down to. Burrow is a great quarterback, but he doesn't have those wow throws that make your jaw drop, which is not a bad thing. That doesn't mean he can't win games. That doesn't mean he can't win many accolades throughout his career, but without that wow factor of some of the throws he can make because he doesn't, he has great accuracy, but not otherworldly accuracy. He has a great arm, but not an incredible arm. I think number four is the perfect slot for him. I've got him on my list a little higher and I will tell you why when we get there, that's what we call a forward tease yeah. in the uh, podcast industry. At number four, I've got Kyler Murray. Uh, I think Kyler Murray has been phenomenal this year uh, really struggled in that playoff game. And so again, against the Rams, again, really hurts my, my argument for the rankings, but you know, this year in the regular season, he had a, he threw a, he completed a career best 69.2% of his passes, which is incredible. Uh, he, his, he also set a career best in yards per attempt at 7.9, uh, threw for 3,700 or almost 3,800 yards, 24 touchdowns also rushed for 423 yards and five touchdowns. Uh, his QBR was seventh in the league and his pass rating again was it was a career high 100.6 the thing that i think is the problem and also he threw for 3800 yards in 14 games because he was out for a few games um the thing that i think needs to happen here with kyler murray and, and what is holding him back is cliff kingsbury needs to call better games for him uh, i think they don't take advantage of his speed enough you know they throw the ball downfield so much that the defense drops and that leaves running lanes wide open. Kyler Murray is really fast and a really good runner. They need to take advantage of that more. And I, I was screaming for that in the Rams game uh, in the, in the wildcard round, there was room to run and he was just sitting in the pocket and he was a sitting duck with Aaron Donald and all those guys pressuring him sitting duck back there. And so I think they really need to work on, on finding a way to get him out of the pocket and get him moving. He's got good receivers. You know, he's only five foot 10 and 207 pounds, but he's got a big arm, like a big arm for that being that's that size. Um, he's accurate. As I said, 69% of his completely 69% of his passes, he can, you know, make throws at every level. He can make throws on the run. And again, he's got the speed that you love in Lamar Jackson. You know, I think, I think that, but Kyler, I feel like when he runs is more conscious of his body because he's smaller, he gets out of bounds, he gets down. Um, I think that, you know, by 2025, he'll be 28. I don't know if Cliff Kingsbury will still be there. He needs an offense like that. I mean, he fits that offense perfectly. I just think the games need to be called better. He's already a two-time pro bowler. He's getting better every year. This was his best year as a passer. Uh, didn't put up, you know, enormous numbers, only 24 touchdowns, as I said, but this was his best season as a technical passer. He has gotten so much better. Um, and also you got to remember, he's only been a one sport athlete for a couple of years now. So he was a baseball player as well for a while. So in 2025, he'll be 28 right in the middle of his prime. And, and I think he'll be one of the best in the NFL. My problem with Kyler's inclusion on this list is twofold. One, and this is probably the more relevant point, is that I think when we're talking top five quarterbacks in the NFL, we're talking guys who elevate the offense no matter what the scheme is. And based on what you just said, Kyler is good in an adequate scheme, but in order to be great, needs something that's a little bit more tailor-made to his strengths, which I think hurts his case when we're talking about top seven overall quarterbacks in a couple of years, especially when we're talking top four quarterbacks. And the other problem, and one that I think is particularly relevant given our just our, uh, discussion we just had about Lamar Jackson, is that I think durability is actually a legitimate concern for Kyle. 
you know, size issues often overblown. Everybody freaks out about the fact that he's only 5'10", but in two of the last three seasons, he's limped to the finish line here. I think he was healthy for that playoff game, but I don't think he, he wasn't healthy for the middle stretch of the season. And that's a significant problem, whether this five foot 10, 207 pound guy can deal with the wear and tear of a extremely long NFL season. Two of the three seasons we've seen so far, he can't really. And that doesn't mean he can't win at the highest level. I think, you know, the playoff game, people use the playoff game as evidence that Kyler Murray ain't all that are not worth listening to. That was just a terrible game by literally everybody involved. That happens. But I think if you're looking at the like overall top four quarterbacks, I think that he needs a little bit more specifications as far as how the offense is created for him. And I think that him playing a 16 game season so far has been rare and may continue being that even if he only misses a couple games a year and still wins playoff games, availability doesn't matter to an extent. So I think Kyler is a great player, but I do think that until we see a fully healthy season from him, where not only does he play every game, but he also finishes as strong as he has started of late, then it's hard to rank him that high on this list. Fair enough. Who you got at number three, buddy? And number three, I have another one that I was surprised you left off your list. It is Josh Allen. Now, I may be a little bit PTSD about what happened on Saturday after he played perhaps the most perfect quarterbacking game ever played against the Bill Belichick defense and led the Buffalo Bills to the first perfect offensive game in NFL history where they scored touchdowns on every single possession until it was time to kneel out the clock. That isn't the version of Josh Allen that's going to show up every week because that would be the greatest quarterback of all time. But I do think that Allen's physical tools combined with how far he's come over the last couple of years really makes him a very intriguing player to be in the top three in a couple of years. Now, obviously the problem with Allen is his consistency. We saw it this year where one week he looked like an MVP candidate and the next week he's losing nine to six to the Jaguars. Definitely a problem, but if that is the biggest problem with a quarterback with his arm and his ability to do damage on the ground, along with his winning resume from the last two seasons, I think that's a great problem to have. I lean towards the side of Allen figuring it out on the consistency front, which then makes him one of the most dangerous quarterbacks in the NFL. And even if he doesn't figure it out to the point where he's the exact same guy every week and there's a little bit of variation, I still think I'd rather have him than almost any other quarterback in the NFL. I really like Josh Allen. And I think that growing with the Bills, they have a really great system set up up there, even though the offensive coordinator, Brian Dabble, is going to probably end up taking a head coaching job sooner rather than later. Sean McDermott is there to stay. He will definitely be there in three years unless things go entirely off the rails. And that sort of continuity means that this is Allen's team. He's going to grow and continue to learn with these guys. And I really think he's going to evolve into one of the most dangerous offensive weapons in the NFL. Yeah, see, here's the thing. I, I think Dayball is going to leave, and I think the offense is going to take a step back because I think he's that good. And I think he's been the one that's he's, – he's been, I think, Josh Allen's safety blanket. He's improved him and helped him get better, and I think he's going to go get a head coaching job. Here's something in the statistics that made me keep Josh Allen off this list. Okay, this year in one more game, he threw for fewer yards than last year. He threw almost 70 more passes – his completion percentage dropped from 69.2% to 63.3%. So he dropped six points on his completion percentage. And that's always been the bugaboo with him was accuracy. Uh, yards per attempt last year, 7.9. This year, 6.8. 
If you take the, the stats from this year, they line up more with 2019 than 2020. Um, he did throw 36 touchdowns, but he threw 15 interceptions. His passer rating dropped by 15 points. Uh, his QBR dropped by 16 points. That's a big, big drop. He ran for more yards. He ran for 763 yards. But I just see that I think that while he's immensely talented, if Stefan Diggs leaves, what does that leave them? If, you know, if, if something like that happens, will he still be an elite quarterback? I think he's got the skills and the talent to do it, but I'm worried about what happens when Dayball leaves, if one of his receivers leaves, if, if he gets pressured more. Right now, the Bills have a great team around him. What happens down the road? And so I'm, I, I'm concerned with what I saw this year in a regression at some points. He was great against the Patriots. Don't get me wrong. And that made a lot of people say, hey, he might be the best player in the NFL. I'm sorry, Liam. I know. It's, but he, they, they said that he might be the best, best quarterback in the NFL, best quarterback going forward. But if you look at the body of work this year, I think there was some regression. And so I'm I'm, I need to see more next year before I project that he is a top five guy going into the future. So I didn't have him on the list. I know that that's controversial, but uh, yeah, I, I, I just saw some, you know, flies in the ointment this year that, that made me concerned. Uh, my number three is Justin Herbert as, as, as much as it pains me to say that the Los Angeles chargers had Herbert fall into their lap in 2020 uh, when the Dolphins took to a tag of Iloa, who is now, as you said, really struggling, uh, Herbert has shown that he is a phenomenal talent. He was a guy at Oregon who had all the tools, all the skills, and just never put it together consistently. He'd have a game where he looked like he was going to be a hall of famer. And then he'd have a game where you're just kind of like, what are you doing out there? Um, I think that he has really put it together and looks like a supremely rare talent at the position. He makes throws that maybe one other guy in the NFL can make, and that's Patrick Mahomes. He extends plays. He will make a play last so long that the defense cannot cover his guys and then fire a ball into a small window that everybody thought was closed. He is just a stellar, stellar quarterback. Uh, he finished second in the NFL in passing yards this year with 5,014. He was third in touchdowns with 38, third in QBR at 66.1. He threw too many interceptions with 15, and a, and a lot of them were bad. Um, and and his accuracy kind of fell off at times. And that, that's his one bugaboo, just like Josh Allen is. His accuracy is not always there. There's some games where he'll, he'll have three incompletions, but there are others where he's at barely 50%. He finished below 61% accuracy in six games this year. That's too much for a guy that talented. And the way to get to him is to pressure him. And the Chargers are allergic to having a great offensive line. They just, they haven't had one for a decade. They'll have good individual players, but the line as a whole has not been great. And so I think if he gets pressured enough, he gets a little squirrely and throws a lot of incompletions but he'll be 27 in 2025. It's hard to see how, like, how much better can he get? Honestly, like he's so good already. It's almost like, well, he's not going to like just get leaps and bounds better. He's already there. And it's, and, and maybe if he cleans up that accuracy, he can move up even higher on this list, but that's where I've got him. I, I do think he's a rare talent. And uh, unfortunately the chargers who I absolutely hate um, have found a good one. Yep, I had Herbert a little bit higher on the list, which I suppose I'll discuss when that time comes. But, I mean, you pretty much said it. I do think that your concerns about their ability to put a half-decent team around him or in front of him, more appropriately, I should say, are certainly legitimate. And I think the other point you bring up that really holds some water is, like, how much better can this guy really get? 
Like I very much doubt that Justin Herbert is going to end up being the first quarterback to throw for 6,000 yards and like 60 TDs. And that's sort of like the only real next step for him outside of improving his consistency is just putting up banana land numbers. And I don't think he'll do that, but I mean, obviously the next step for him is to learn how to win games. That consistency leads into that, but you know, when crunch time happened in Los Angeles this year, it was a little hit or miss. And once he reaches that next step, I mean, hard to imagine what the limit is for that guy. My number two is Justin Herbert. I thought, uh, I okay, like- well, let's just roll right in. Keep going. Roll right into it. I like Justin Herbert as number two, because I do think that while he may not have that much more room to grow, that jump from good to great will completely change everybody's perception of who he is as a quarterback. I think he's obviously, as you said, the most physically gifted quarterback in the NFL, this side of Patrick Mahomes jaw dropping highlights. He already checked two boxes as far as how people generally rank this kind of stuff, which is jaw dropping highlights and big numbers. He has those two. The last check Mark is winning games. The chargers were growing with a rookie head coach this year. I think that Brandon Staley is pretty good, much to your chagrin. Unfortunately, he has a lot to learn of course, in terms of how to win these games. And that's really the problem. It's just, figuring out how to put these games away. But when you have a guy like Justin Herbert, who is capable of walking onto an NFL field for the first time in his entire life, not even knowing he was going to start the game as he did his rookie season when Tyrod Taylor had that insane lung injection thing and excel, it's hard to imagine anybody except for the guy everybody knows is going to be number one on this list being better than Justin Herbert. I really strongly believe that this is a guy who is going to dominate defenses for a very long time. And the Chargers, I think, are going to do enough to make sure that he doesn't get pressured because what quarterback doesn't get worse under pressure? I think he's going to get better there. I think he's going to be start winning games. And now we're looking at a quarterback who is among the top two or three statistical leaders every single season, along with boasting one of the best teams in the NFL – I think that's a top two guy and that's very easily where Justin Herbert could end up in three years. And perhaps the biggest uh, argument for Justin Herbert's talent level is that the absolute worst he ends up on this list is like number four. Yeah. And, and the thing with Herbert that I come back to is does he become Matthew Stafford where he puts up huge numbers on a bad team, you know, or like do the Chargers can they maintain this? You know, they have a ton of cap space this year and everybody's talking about that, but it's kind of, phantom cap space because they've got to keep 40 million available for Herbert in a few years. They've got to pay Derwin James. They're probably going to have to pay some other guys to get what are they going to keep Mike Williams? He's going to need 20 million. You know I mean? So they have a ton of cap space, but they've got to leave a big hole open because they're going to have to pay Justin Herbert after next season. There's no, he's going to hold out if he doesn't get his contract after next season. And it's probably going to be at the time other than Patrick Mahomes, contract, it's going to be the biggest one ever given to a quarterback. So that's where I'm kind of concerned too, is the team that has historically not put great teams together is going to have to put a great team together around him to keep him up there. But it, it, that's not on Herbert though. You know, he's an ex- immensely talented guy. My number two, I've got, I've got uh, Joseph Burrow higher than you did. I have him at number two in three years and in, in, in 2025, I think what he did this year, especially considering, you know, he and Herbert, that debate is going to be really fun for the next decade is who in that quarterback class turned out to be better. And the answer is probably going to be, depend on the, the day of the week and, and, you know, who you're talking to and what you prefer. Uh, but what Burrow did this year in his first full season, because remember he missed games his first year, he missed the back half of the season because of an ACL injury. 
he looked like an elite quarterback this year. He led the NFL in completion percentage at 70.4. He led the league in yards per attempt at 8.9. He finished second in passer rating with 108.3, only behind Aaron Rodgers. He finished sixth in passing yards, and he sat out the final game, you know, and still finished sixth in passing yards. He threw 34 touchdowns, and he did throw 14 interceptions. He had a rash of interceptions early in the season and maybe at the midpoint where he just tried to force things when things weren't going well. But quite frankly, you can't blame him for forcing things because he was sacked a league high 51 times. He was rushing because he was under pressure. We talked about that with Herbert. Happens to everybody. 51 times he was sacked. Unflappable in the face of that. Obviously, that can't continue. The, 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 the Bengals need to spend their first three draft picks this year on offensive linemen and just load up in front of him. I don't even care if it's depth signings. Like, just get something in front of him. He'll be 29 in 2025. It's in the middle of his prime. I think he's going to be a consistent MVP candidate. As you said, he's got the receiver in Jamar Chase. He's got some talented pieces around him. Joe Mixon's out of the backfield. Take pressure off him. I, here's the thing. When, when I see Joe Burrow, He's completely unflappable in every situation, even when he gets hit, even when he's playing poorly, that dude's heart rate doesn't change. And the guy he reminds me of, and I'm, I'm not saying that he's going to be this good, but the guy he reminds me of is Tom Brady. No matter what's going on, he's always the same. And that's very rare at the quarterback position, in the NFL. And that's why I have him ranked so high. I just think that that dude has won before. We saw what he did in college with that LSU team. That might be the greatest college football team of all time. And despite being in a historically awful franchise that doesn't protect him, he had a ridiculous season. Uh, And so I think that he's, he's number two. I think he's going to win an MVP, maybe more. Uh, I really love what he's done so far. And he's, as as you said, he's one of my favorite players to watch in the NFL already. Yeah. I mean, it's tough to disagree with you. I had my own personal concerns about Joe Burrow that I voiced earlier, just as far as what his year to year feeling is. And I think that Burrow's going to end up being the guy who fluctuates between number two and like number nine on this list, kind of depending on the, how the circumstances around him change. But I think the most salient point made here is that he was sacked, in fact, 51 times. <laughs> 51 it, times, people. And it is almost impossible to get worse than that. So if he had a great season like this with a divisional championship and a uh and a playoff win under his belt maybe two depending on what happens this weekend and that's as bad as it gets for joe burrow then that's pretty damn good i do still think that you know ceiling wise i would bank on the dudes with way more physical talent to end up above him on these rankings in three years but it also wouldn't be surprised if burrow was making a push for number one that's just kind of who he is it's a guy he is and i do think that he has as everybody loves to say, the it factor that is unquantifiable, but it's very rare to see that in a quarterback this young, and it's going to be really exciting to watch him going forward. Yeah, he's got the most swagger I've seen in a long time of a guy who just came out, you know. Um, all right, we all know who number one's going to be. I think we both have Patrick Mahomes number one. Um, I have my whole <laughs> list of notes right here with all these go like ahead. specific go nuts. arguments about why everybody should be ranked where they are. And then for Patrick Mahomes, my only bullet point is obviously. <laughs> Mahomes, you know what it is for me this year and, and what solidified this? And look, I think that it would have been, no matter what, even if the Chiefs missed the playoffs, I'd still say in 2025, Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL. He, I mean, you know, we all know that he's on a path to potentially be the best ever. 
and, and we've all talked about that openly. Um, it's like watching Michael Jordan play in 1989. You know, he may not, he's not what he's going to be, but we all know where he's, where he's headed. Um, you know, the fun, the thing about Mahomes is this year was a down year for most of the year for Kansas city. And everybody's wondering what's wrong with him. He still led them to a 12 and five record in a very competitive division, uh, won the division title. Um, Finished fourth in passing yards with 48, 39, fourth in touchdown passes with 37, fifth in QBR at 62.6. He did throw too many interceptions for him. 13 is too much for Patrick Mahomes. He's too good for that. Um, And, and the, you know, with everybody dropping so deep on them now, they're basically just teams are just saying, don't beat us over the top. We don't care what you do underneath. So his uh, yards per attempt dropped to 7.4, which was very low. And his completion percentage was only 66.3%. Again, too low for a guy of Patrick Mahomes' talent. Again, maybe his worst season (laughs) since he started, and he's still a legit MVP candidate. And I think it's worth noting that his final five regular season games, he completed 70.6% of his passes for 1,455 yards, 11 touchdowns, and one interception. So at the end of the year, they figured it out, and he all of a sudden rounded into being the superstar Patrick Mahomes we are used to seeing. Uh, every NFL team, my point on it was every NFL team would swap their quarterback for Patrick Mahomes right now. Nobody, I, I, the Bills, Josh Allen, he's great. Nope, Patrick Mahomes, we'll take him. Herbert, no, he's younger. Nope, no, 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 we'll take Patrick Mahomes. Every single team's would, team would change that. And he's only 26. That's the other thing. He's still only 26. He'll be 30 in 2025. And in the middle of his prime, I think he's a guy who's going to play until he's 40. He's certainly got the tools to do that and the size and everything. Uh, he's the best quarterback in the NFL, and I think he will be. Yeah, I mean, that's sort of the best part about him and also the worst part if you're a football fan who cares for parity is that I would say this, at least perception-wise, was easily Mahomes' worst season he had all those insane interceptions in the first like quarter of the year that were making people wonder if like too high looks figured him out or whatever. And then despite all that, the chiefs are super bowl favorites again, like that's the sign of greatness right there is when you can play what people perceive to be terrible, still put up these gigantic numbers and then come playoff time, be in your best shape. Now I will say just for the sake of talking about it, that the only factor that I could see knocking Mahomes off the top standing of this list, outside of injury, obviously, don't even want to speak that into existence, is if Andy Reid retires and the Chiefs screw up that next hire or they decide for some insane reason to go outside of the Reid coaching tree or they go for a defensive guy or whatever. Mahomes' talent is obviously so outlandish that he will be pretty undisputably the number one quarterback for probably next 10 years after Brady and Rogers are gone and that debate stops. But is there a world where he slips to number two because he's playing in an offensive system that doesn't utilize his strengths or doesn't have the creativity, I should say, as much as Andy Reid's does. Andy Reid, he's 63. I mean, it's not completely out of the realm of possibility that he could decide to retire if the Chiefs rip off two consecutive Super Bowl wins. I think that is pretty much the only argument that exists as far as why Patrick Mahomes would not be the number one quarterback in the NFL in three years is if his statistics and wins take an ever so slight drop off because of a coaching change. I think that's it. And even then that's far, far from a guaranteed thing because it very well could be that Andy re-retires, he hands the keys to Eric Bieniemy or whatever, you know, uh, Padawan he has on that coaching roster and Mahomes continues to do what Patrick Mahomes does and they continue to win at a high level. Yeah, I, I think that, 
at worst, he becomes Dan Marino, where he puts up ridiculous numbers on a team that maybe doesn't have the playoff success that that they have had so far. Uh, I just think he's too talented to overcome. He'll overcome that. I, I just, you know, and, and it seems like whoever they bring in offensively, Mahomes is smart enough offensively to know, hey, this is the system we need. These are the people we need. The key for them is going to be being able to continue to surround him with great talent despite his massive contract. And that's that's where it gets hard. When you sign a franchise quarter, the best time to win with a quarterback, we all know, is when they're on the rookie contract. And at the back end of the rookie contract is when your highest level of competitiveness usually is. And so it's about, it's really about them figuring out uh, what they can and can't do as far as personnel. And look, players are going to want to go there, but they're going to have to draft incredibly well uh, with offensive skill position. They're going to have to, you know, find great receivers in the fourth round because they're going to need defensive players too, and maybe get those up front. They're going to have to draft a little to keep, to keep him happy and keep this, uh, keep this rolling. But Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL. He'll be the best quarterback in the NFL in 2025. He'll probably be the best quarterback in the NFL in 2027 and 2029. You know, I mean, he just, he's going to be around forever. And what he's doing, unless he just gets burned out on the sport, which I sincerely doubt, he's just going to be there forever. So uh, I, I'm glad we agreed, Liam. I think that, you know, we came, we, we had some disagreements, but in the end we came to an accord and lined up well. We keep our credibility. Hooray. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I like I like agreeing with you, buddy. We embrace uh, debate, but we still have common sense. That's of what course. In for there us. you go. <laughs> that's all you. That's all you need. Uh, thanks for joining me on this one, buddy. It was it was a good conversation. Um, I'm sure this will be something we debate uh, privately in the future for years. Um, but thank you for listening, everybody. Keep it tuned to uh, the best of seven. Uh, for all the latest we'll have some more uh, playoff picks coming up next week um, and keep it tuned to the big lead for all the latest in sports thanks for listening